many of you believe we serve a, a God of great compassion? We do. And he, his compassion, when we talk about the compassion of Jesus, I, in fact, turn to this very familiar passage in John 3.16. You all know it. It's a very familiar passage. But um, God's compassion was never given to us to just demonstrate the fact that he was overlooking sin or our problem. His compassion is always given to empower you so you don't have to be the victim. So you no longer have to. Compassion was to empower people. There's nothing that motivates and transforms people more than compassion. Now when we, I I need to just share something with you. There are three types of compassion. There's human compassion. Human compassion happens, maybe you you feel sad or you have pity towards someone because they've gone through something, they've gone through an accident. There's uh, a natural desire to respond to uh, a need. That's human compassion. And that's, that's a very, uh, one scripture in the Bible was where Jesus refers to the Samaritan who showed compassion to the man that is in a ditch. I mean, even know there's a lot of people around us. They, they wear a mask. America is known for wearing a mask. We know how to put on the face, the front, but inside there's a tremendous hurt. We live in a really wounded, wounded nation. People are so wounded, they're hurt. They, they're held hostage to what? Their dads, their moms, their husbands, their wives, families, their bosses, what people have done to them. And I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus has compassion for you. And it's not human compassion. There's also another kind of compassion. There's a maternal or paternal family compassion. We have just compassion for family because we love our family. We care, we'll... We'll go the extra mile for our families. And that, as much as that is very strong in us, the Bible says on Isaiah, it says, even if your mother forsakes you, I will never forsake you. That's in the book of Isaiah. Then the last uh, form of compassion is a God-like or godly compassion, which is not human compassion at all. It's not a compassion based upon pity or feeling sorry, or even because you're going through a bad time. That, that's, that's not the compassion that Jesus has for us. He doesn't have compassion for you just because you're in a sorry, sad situation. That's not his compassion because that's like human compassion. Human compassion is very fickle. How many of you know that when people are doing well, I've I've actually heard people say this, um, when people do well, uh, they almost hate you. Case in point, our last presidential election, when President Trump, how many people just in the press turned on the guy? You know, there was no compassion. 
because we, we saw him as an arrogant guy, and he did have a mouth, and he uh, called names, and we saw some things uh, in that man that, that we saw. We saw a side that, that really dem- didn't demonstrate the kind of leadership that normally we've seen in past presidents. Uh, well, we might have had other different kinds of people. But I want you to see the kind of compassion that's in John 3.16, but in especially in the next verse. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him. Everyone say believe. Believe. By the way, believing isn't some form of head knowledge. You, you, can, you can know the Bible and still go to hell. You can have the knowledge of this word, but still not have Jesus in your life. Until Jesus becomes real in your walk, and that can only come as we encounter his compassion. And it says that, For the Father, God so loved the world. He loved the world. Everyone say the world. Now, think of the worst person in the whole world. God still loves him. He has compassion. He has compassion. Last night, last night at four in the morning, the neighbors that my wife and I have witnessed to, have been sharing Jesus with, had a all-out drunken party. I mean, they were up and they were making so much noise. I, I woke up. I, I couldn't believe the commotion because I hadn't heard it before. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to call the cops because they were so loud. And guess what God reminds me of what I'm preaching on this morning? Compassion. So, Ray, show some compassion. I actually opened the door, and the marijuana was thick. If anybody would have drove by my house, you would have thought I was on pot. I mean, the pot was just right across the alley, coming right over into my, I I mean, literally the pot, and they were out there loud, and the music... I knew, I mean, the lights on my other neighbor's house came on. We all came. I was at 4 o'clock in the morning. And, I mean, they were just, they were having a party. And uh, I said, man, that'd be nice to have a party like that in church sometime, without the pot, of course. But, but, you know, uh, how many believe the the house of God should be a, a happy place? It should be a place of joy and And it's because of the revelation of Jesus which shows us compassion. And it's not based on pity, and it's not based on your problems. In fact, in the Hebrew language and in the Greek language, compassion, they do do its best to describe it, but it's difficult to describe compassion in a way that man understands it is because the Bible says that the knowledge of God is farther than what we can uh, understand. But, but it has to do with going right down to the very need. Compassion focuses on the fact that our Heavenly Father 
will go to great lengths to show himself strong and to let you know how valuable you are and that he wants you for to be in his family. His compassion is the kind, it, there's an old song, he looked beyond my faults and he saw my needs. That's compassion. I heard a, <clears throat> a story of a pastor's wife. In fact, she's a, a pastor's wife. Uh, I, I saw this on television <clears throat> a couple years ago. I'll never forget it. She was uh, given a birthday party to her daughter in her home. And they're north of Houston. This It's a mega church. He's got a television ministry. And I can't, for the life of me, I could not remember his name. Uh, I want to say Perry or somebody like that. But, but a, a huge church. But his wife was giving a birthday party. And she had forgotten some items. So she had to rush to the store. And as she was in the supermarket, she was just in a rush to get back home because people were coming. She was running late. And all of a sudden, in this huge grocery store, there was only one checker that was open. How many have ever been in a store where you had one checker that was open? Have, you have 20, 20 checkers, and one is open. Well, the, part of the reason is that these you know, shopping centers, they save money, by, uh, especially in the slow time of the day, which happened to be in the afternoon. So she's standing in line, and there's a woman with a full cart of groceries, about five people in front of her, and she's already been in line for about 20 minutes, and she is getting irritated. She's getting upset, and she's really getting behind. She's looking at her watch. She has to get through, and the woman runs all of her groceries. She not only, by the way, she had a cart and a half of groceries this woman was running through, and when it came time to pay, the checker evidently knew the woman because she was talking. She ended up dumping her entire purse out on the uh, table there because she couldn't find her wallet. She couldn't find her cash. She had no credit cards. And she's standing there, and everybody in line is <laughs> irritated, and they're just talking. Can you believe this idiot? She dumps her person. Now we've got to wait even longer. Now we've got to stand around here and wait even longer. And, and, and all of a sudden, the woman starts crying. You know, and she, she puts all of her stuff back in her purse, and, she, and, and the checker said, hey, it, it's, it's going to be okay. Just, just pull your carts. She put all the food back in the carts, pulled them aside. She says, I got to run home. I'll bring the wallet and the money back and I'll pay for it. Well, finally, the line started moving. And when the pastor's wife got up to the checker, she says, wow, it seemed like that lady was having a bad day. And the checker told this pastor's wife this. She says, you don't even know the half of it. And she says, what do you mean? Two years ago, she lost her husband in Afghanistan, and two months ago, or three months ago, she just found out her daughter had leukemia. She has cancer. And she says, I was almost going to pay for her meal. So that pastor said, let me pay.
for her, I mean, her groceries. So she paid for her groceries. She says, when she comes back, let her know that it's paid for. Now, folks, that's compassion. Isn't it amazing how we change our tune when we really hear the rest of the story? You know, well, it's easy to get upset when people are slow, they're in line, and you hear the rest of their life. All of us have a story. A lot of us, and this woman breaks down crying because she doesn't have, well, the, the bigger story is she lost her husband in Afghanistan with some kind of an IUD bomb or missile or something. Then she just finds out her daughter has cancer. And then she gets, you know, just, you could just sense. And everybody is irritated because our whole community is about run, 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 get through, get get through the line, get out of my way. I got things to do and places to go. And we don't even know how many people are in pain. But notice what the Bible says in verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Everyone say, did not. For God did not. He did not. He did not send His Son to condemn the world. But the world through Him might be restored, saved, and delivered. Can I just say this? That if Jesus did not condemn you, no matter what you've done, we have no right to condemn others. He did not come to condemn, but to restore. Now, the problem is we don't believe it because of the way other people treat us. We have a tendency to measure our worth by the way other people treat us. You know, Satan is a liar. And he works not just from unbelievers, political parties. He even works through Christians. Sometimes there are wounded believers Wounded believers, let me put it this way, hurting people hurt people. But whole people heal people. It changes the lens that you see through. When you're wounded, you will be judgmental, defensive. You'll attack, be impatient, be critical, You'll write others off because you're not healthy. But the more healthy you are, the more grace, patience, and you're able to walk through, hold the hands and say, let me pay for the groceries. Even though I'm going to be late, it's going to be all right. Jesus, think about it. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, the Bible says, who took upon himself the seed of Abraham and 
became as one of us. And think about what he did. He submitted to his parents. He submitted to the Pharisees. Before his ministry began, he submitted himself in patience. For 30 years before he started his ministry, Jesus lived in Nazareth. By the way, Nazareth was a town, a small town, and when Nathaniel was chosen by Jesus to be a disciple, remember the words of Nathaniel? He said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Because it was a town of thugs. It was a town of people who were running from the law. Jesus grew up in that environment. And yet Jesus lived around that situation. He had a reputation. Jesus also had a reputation of being a bastard because the Jews were very careful on keeping track and account. And they knew that Jesus was born out of wedlock. So they would, he would be considered illegitimate because his dad and mom were not married at the time she conceived. Now think of that cloud hanging over your head. And yet Jesus said and was tempted in Luke 4 when Satan came and said, if you are the son of God. How many of you know one of the ways that Satan trips us up is by always assaulting your sense of identity in Christ? But compassion goes beyond the fault. It reaches right into the heart. And that's what we find here when it says, I I want you to, I want to show you some pictures here that I think are important if I can get this to work. This is our world. This is our world. This is the alcoholic. This is a man who is depressed, come to the end of his rope, Who's this guy? How many of you? This is a picture of what most people believe is success. But a lot of people hate him. But guess what? Jesus has compassion for Jerry Jones. Whether you like the Dallas Cowboys or not. Some of you think, oh, the guy, he just, you know. Jesus still loves him. You know, people have this image of success. Jesus has compassion and sees it. Let me tell you something. Football games, trophies, and Super Bowls never bring peace. Never produces. We, we think that's the image. But that's not. We only see the outward appearance, but we don't see what's inside of the man. Here's another one. Well, willing to work. What happens when we see someone down there on the street? Maybe he's a panhandler. Jesus has compassion for this person. Here's another one, kiss. I know this dates some of us because they're no longer together. But this was one of the most perverted groups when I was a young guy. And uh, I'll tell you, 
You talk about demonic. Jesus has compassion for these guys. Almost, I think, three out of the four were gay, but Jesus still has compassion for them. Here's our president. They say he's got the lowest ratings in all of America right now. One of the most hated men in Hollywood. All the media assaults him. Jesus still has compassion for this guy. He may be a billionaire, but whether he knows Jesus or not, it's only compassion that will win him. Here's another one. Another man that some people love and some people hate. By the way, I showed these two presidents in a row because this has become the most divisive issue in the church. It's become so divisive. But Jesus has the same compassion and love for this man as the other man. How many of you know God's love goes beyond our politics? And I've seen churches split over this stupid issue. And you know why they split? Because they don't know compassion. They don't know the love of God. How about the city hooker, the prostitute? She sells herself for money. Maybe she's on drugs. Usually it's drug-driven. My wife and I have had a chance to talk to some women that have been in this industry. There's There's a serious hatred for men because of the way they've been used. Same thing with the Johns. It's perversion. How many of you know Mary Magdalene was a prostitute? But Jesus loved her. Had compassion. ISIS. These guys behead people. Good people. Jesus had compassion. For God so loved the world. That's part of the world. Now, I don't, I don't know. It, it does upset me when I see people that are beheaded for their cause, religious cause, whatever cause, gangs in our streets. We see some of these things happen. What, what, what happens to your heart when you see this? Do you see the love of God that is shed abroad or do you just see disruptors? For God so loved the world. Here's a guy who's in love with his money. How many of you know you may have it, but you can't take it with you? Some of us, we despise people like that. He probably, maybe he got it from drugs. Maybe took it advantage of it by paying low wages to his employees so he can get rich and live the high life. See, when we start thinking like that, we're, we're out of the spirit. Because as much as this guy loves his money, can't save him. By the way, money will never make you happy. Never give you joy. And then, of course, people that are in poverty. I'll never forget seeing a man like this going into a pizza parlor. Had a bottle, a fifth of whiskey, 
I stepped over him. I, I, was, I, I was actually angry that he was laying there, vomit dribbling from his mouth. Me and a buddy was going in to have pizza. It was almost like this. I came back. The Lord convicted me. I'm sitting. I said, I, I got to go out and give this guy a pizza. The Lord convicted me. So about, are you enjoy? The first thing the Holy Spirit said, are you enjoying your pizza? I said, I sure am, man. He says, well, that man has nothing to eat out there. And I was so convicted. I went out there and gave him a pizza. Anyway, just talking to the guy, I found out he was a backslidden preacher that turned and allowed the lie of the enemy to destroy him. Similar to that picture. When I saw that picture, I had to take that picture. Jesus has compassion for people like that. Your next door neighbor. How many of you know your next door neighbor? God loves your neighbors. They may not be the kind of neighbors you want. Maybe they got a barking dog. You just want that dumb dog and that neighbor won't shut that dog. Lord, help me to have compassion. Maybe you ought to lay hands on that dog and just pray that. Fill it with the love of God and Lord, muzzle the mouth or something. I don't know. But you know, God loves your neighbors. Think about your neighbors. For God so loved the world. People into spiritism. Boy, spiritism and witchcraft, really heavy today. By the way, these are people that are on the road to finding the inner truth and purpose in life. Jesus is the only way, the truth and life. But he still has compassion on these people. Oh, here's one who's threatening to nuke America. How many of you ever felt like the sons of Zebedee? Father, call, call fire down from heaven, Lord, and nuke them right now in Jesus' name. Do you know Jesus has compassion for this guy? Pastor, right, but the news says it's going to bomb Guam any minute. Jesus still loves him. Boy, you're awful quiet here today, are we kind of stretching our thinking here? Our police. There's a lot of people that hate the police. They're killing them. But Jesus has compassion on our police. How about the school teacher? You might have a school teacher that looks you right in the face and says, you're going to get an F on your report. Guess what? Jesus has compassion for the teacher. I had a third grade teacher. You know what? I'm not kidding. I had a third grade teacher that I said, Carol, she's it. She's the one. Here's the man who's just a loner. He's depressed. He's at the end of his rope. He has nothing to look forward to. How about people in the mental ward? We have no idea what their story is. We kind of, society writes them off, tells the government to take care of them, 
that Jesus has compassion for these people. Here's one. Can you imagine being in a predicament like this? That poor donkey. I have more compassion for the donkey. The guy overloaded his cart and the donkey goes flying. I have great compassion for that poor mule. Do you know that in the book of Jonah, it said that when Jonah came back in Jonah 4, there's only four chapters in Jonah. God said that, Jonah said the Lord, Jonah told the Lord the reason he ran from the presence of the Lord and went to Tarshish. And remember, he ended up in the, the belly of a great fish. He said he ran from God's presence because Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Assyria was one of the most barbaric, the most mean. God kept them around to chastise Israel because of their idolatry. They were a pagan, perverted, idolatrous, mean, gross nation, the Assyrians. Nineveh. So when this holy prophet, God tells Jonah to go down and warn them for three days and say, in three days, Nineveh will be destroyed unless there's repentance. And Jonah ran from God. He wouldn't do it. And in chapter four, it says why. God says, the reason why I ran and rebelled, here's this holy prophet who rebels against God. The interesting paradox is when he finally comes, I love this, I I could entitle the message, the God of second chances, because out of the belly of the whale or the great fish, Jonah cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard his cry, and it says, and the fish vomited Jonah on the beach, and it says, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. How many of you know God is the God of second chances? That's compassion. God didn't, God didn't kill him. God sought to restore Jonah. And as Jonah goes through the city, he walks through the entire, it took him three days to go through the city and say, judgment's coming unless you repent. And it says that the king of Nineveh sat down in sackcloth and ashes and they repented, they threw their idols. And it says, and when God saw their works, that they had turned from their idolatry, the Lord showed mercy to Nineveh. And then in chapter 4, God says to Jonah, why are you sad? Why are you so sad, Jonah? Why is your face, your countenance fallen? And this is what Jonah said, because I knew you were a gracious and compassionate and slow to anger. I wanted you to nuke them, God. Because Assyria, for years, for centuries actually, had been so cruel to the Jewish people. And God says, I want you to warn them. And if they heed my warning, I'm going to show compassion. Do you know that God would rather show mercy than judgment? Some people don't believe that. They really believe God's out to get you. That's a lie. No, God's out to show mercy. God's out to show compassion. And so Jonah, Jonah was crying out to the Lord and 
there was this bush, there was a hot day, grew up, and it became shade to him. And then God caused a worm to come into the bush, and it withered, and then he started complaining. And he, he says, you feel, you have more compassion over a bush than people. And at the very end of the chapter, it says, the reason why I showed mercy was to save many people and much cattle. God was even concerned about the animals. It says it at the end of the, of the book of Jonah. Well, that's why I put that up there. I felt had compassion for that poor mule. God cares about animals. He really does. He says, I'm, I, I want to save the cattle, not just the people, because God knew that judgment. We see this. Here's, here's one guy. On the, we would some, some of us believers, Christians, may say this guy's a little on the extreme side. We don't know what he is. Marilyn Manson. And uh, he has some strange philosophies and ideas, but God still loves him. If we had a person come into Open Heavens Church, how would we treat a guy like this? Would we just kind of move over? There he is. Or, ooh, 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 get, 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 back, get Pastor Ray down here right, right away. No, maybe God wants you to go right up to him, and could you give this guy a hug? If you can't, it shows you're still wounded. The more healthy you are, I believe Jesus touched lepers. Under the old covenant, listen to this. Under the old covenant, if you touched a person that was unclean or a leper or were diseased, you would become diseased and unclean. But under grace, every time people touched Jesus, their uncleanness was made clean. See, in the, under the new covenant, your love and compassion transforms people, but under the law, it pushes people away, and they experience rejection. Rejection is one of the most difficult things. Let me tell you what this guy's all about. It's more than just being, a, being an artist, which they claim to be. It's more than just a cry for attention. A guy who has to go to these extremes is deeply confused about his sense of identity and who and what he was created for. And Satan will push you to the limits to distort, destroy, and confuse who you are. And that's, some people, oh, this is just art. No, no, it's, it's not art at all. I don't, I don't have to do that. If I have to do that to get attention, it shows me how really sick I am. He's not a criminal, but he's sick. He's wounded. And so, so we go to extremes, and our life is an extreme. Here's my point. Jesus has compassion. Amen? I want you to see some scriptures. I want you to jump over with me to Psalms 86, 15. Psalms 86. Psalms 86, verse 15. 
it says this. But you, O Lord, are a God full. Everyone say full. It didn't say half full. He's a God full of compassion and gracious. Long-suffering. Let's all say that together. Now you'll never forget it. In other words, he's pretty patient. He's long-suffering. Long-suffering. And little in mercy. Abundant in mercy and in truth. See, that's part of a healthy believer. Is when you've experienced the compassion, the grace, his patience, and the abundance of his mercy. And truth. Let, let me tell you something. How many of you know that God doesn't want to just get you free? He wants you to stay free. See, mercy is what gets you free. Truth is what keeps you free. That's why we need teaching. Let me say that again. That's why we need teaching. Let me say it again. That's why we need teaching. A lot of people say, well, I just want the mercy of God. You need it. Mercy will set you free but the Word will make you free. That's why I don't miss services, because I need the truth to keep me free. Yeah, but I got other things. I'm just too tired. That's when I start speaking to my body. I got to speak to my mind and my body. Well, it's bowling night. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Jesus says, if any man follow me, let him take up his cross. What does that mean? What does it mean to take up your cross? Well, there's going to be some times where following Jesus is going to interrupt plans. Do you know there's been times? I used to be in the construction field, and I used to come home, and I would be exhausted outside building house, physically exhausted. And Carol said, time to get ready for church. And I said, Carol, go without me. I'm just wasted. And I got thinking, I got three boys growing up, and they need to see Dad in church. I got up, and I was still weary. But I can tell you something that happened. I believe it was supernatural. When I would get into the presence of God in the house of the Lord, the Bible says that he, it says that if the same spirit that dwelt, raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it will quicken your mortal bodies. I would come out of church literally refreshed, even though I was in construction all day long. That literally happened. Now, I know a lot of us, well, you know, it's just teaching. Well, Jesus, or the Lord here says that it's mercy and truth. Look, jump over with me to Isaiah 49, 15. Isaiah 49, 15. 
Isaiah 49.15. It says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget. Look at this. It says, A woman may forget her nursing child. Yet I will not forget you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not forgotten you. He will not forget you. I will not forget. I have inscribed you on the palm of my hands and your walls are continually before me. God says, I will not forget you. That's compassion. And by the way, He doesn't say, I won't forget you because you've been a good boy. Because he's in Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied during a day where Israel had mixture of idolatry and that God was saying, even though you feel forsaken, I will never forsake you. What is God trying to do? What's the purpose of compassion? It's not just for healing. It's to build hope and to build vision. When people don't have compassion, they have no vision. Passion, compassion means with a tenderness, with great love, with great anticipation, something much deeper that goes so much deeper. And one more scripture here, Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. If you jump with me to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Notice what it says. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. And notice what it says. Because... They were weary. Everyone say weary. Have you ever been just tired, hopeless, just feel like I'm at the end of my rope? They were weary and scattered like sheep having no guidance, no shepherd, no leadership, no pastors that cared or loved them. It's what Jesus says. He was moved. The word moved there means to be moved inside the gut. It, he, uh, it means to yearn deeply with a sense of desire to reach them. That's his compassion. Do you know he feels that way when you pray? He yearns for you to come to him. He yearns for you to draw nigh to him. I want to read a story. I got this, actually, my wife. This is about a a woman. Um, This is about a woman who, in the title of it, it's called A Former Transgender. That's been a, a hot topic in the news lately. Uh... How many of you heard on the news how they want to make 
bathrooms for transgenders and boys go. In fact, I think in California, boys can now go into girls' bathrooms. I don't know about you guys, but that kind of scares the daylights out of me, uh, sets things up. And, it, and, and it's, you know, when, when we throw out God's word, our society begins to call evil good and good evil. And we, the Bible says we, we go backwards. It says this former of this young woman, her name was Laura Perry, but I want you to see how compassion worked through prayer and how it transformed a woman who felt she was born a man. It says, Laura Perry experienced such tumultuous life during the teen years that she decided one day that she was a man. It turned out that God had other ideas. As an adolescent, Laura felt uncomfortable being a girl. Teenage drama drove Laura away from her family and God. By her 20s, Laura began to call herself Jake and lived as a transgender man for eight years, taking opposite sex hormones, undergoing double mastectomy. Laura told her, uh, her church, uh, Laura later told her church that I bought into the lies of Satan. She explained that in her desperation, she honestly thought being transgender would make her happy. At one point, Laura wrote her mother, this is what I was supposed to be. Please accept me. Her live-in transgender partner reinforced Laura's all too typical, if you don't accept the transgenderism, then you don't accept me outlook. All the while, Laura admitted, inside, I was miserable and I was searching for real peace. Laura's mother, Francine, was crushed to the core. It seemed like a dark tunnel with no end in sight for many years, Francine told Life Sight News. Francine and her husband, Paul, brought Laura up in the church. Laura was active in Sunday school, choir, Bible drill, vacation Bible school, the missionary-minded girl in action, and more. How could she do this? Francine asked God. All along, however, God was at work in both Laura and Francine. When my mom sought God with all of her heart and let the Holy Spirit change her, that's when God started working on me. Laura explained to LifeSite News, it started, listen, it started with prayer. Not with counsel, not with pressure, not with manipulation. Everyone say prayer. How many of you know that Prayer is usually the last thing we turn to. We try to force change. We need to pray. That's what this mother and father begin to do. It started with prayer. Francine turned to to her ladies' Bible study group for intercessors. Little did the support group know that while they were praying for Laura to come out of her transgender lifestyle, their prayers were also releasing God's healing in Francine. God began to soften Francine's heart. She entered a period of spiritual renewal, realizing her own Pharisee-like ways. This is the mother. She and Paul, her husband, become more open with each other. An intercession for Laura 
began to bear fruit indirectly. Her transgender partner was politically conservative and got Laura into a radio talk show. This eventually led Laura's listening to Christian radio. God began to do something. He began to awaken faith and belief in Laura. Slowly but surely, God opened my eyes to the truth, Laura Laura later explained. He made me realize that the transgender life was a dead end. Things don't change overnight. Actually, I have a video. Or a, uh, this is, I got this in the wrong order here. Uh, this was Laura as a child. This is her when she was in her place of, uh, as a transgender. And then things didn't change overnight. I was still conflicted, Laura admits. But finally, after... That reached a particular low point in my life. Laura tearfully asked God to help her. Then one day, Laura asked her mother, do you think it would be okay if I came to church with you? Francine wasn't sure. She feared that if Laura came to church as a man, it would be an embarrassment. The church may reject her. But despite her hesitation, grace won out, and Francine said, It was the turning point. Ultimately, in July 2016, Laura broke up with her transgender partner and repented from her sin. Doing it was scary. I didn't know what came next, Laura confided, but I was clinging to God's promises that he would take care of me. A key to Laura's healing came from the loving acceptance of Christians. Christians in Francine's Bible study group. I experienced such love and acceptance from my mother's Bible study group, Laura said. It was hard, but I had never experienced such peace and love as when I came back to the house of God. Another key to transgender healing was the same-sex loyal friend and mentor. In Laura's case, Pastor James' wife, Brandy, took Laura under her wing. Brandy gave Laura genuine love, a listening ear, Christian wisdom, and a bedrock solid friendship like David and Jonathan in the Bible. I'm so humbled by all that God has done, Laura told LifeSite News. A month after her repentance and lifestyle change, Laura made a public confession of faith in Jesus as her Lord and Savior. She was baptized into Christ last fall. God has healed Laura's relationship with her mother. Only God could have done this. Francine gratefully acknowledged. Laura's story is a story of God's amazing grace and redemption, she told LifeSite News. Since then, Laura has been able to share her remarkable story with many people. She was even featured uh, a featured guest on a family research council, Washington Watch, with Tony Perkins. I'm a living proof that God's love is greater than the devil's lies, she said. LifeSite News asked Laura if she had any advice for teens or young people who are gender gender confused or hurting. It's not about what we want. It's about Jesus, she urged. 
Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. My advice is the same for both teens and parents, Laura continued. If we look to the Lord Jesus, deny ourselves and seek him with all of our heart, mind, and soul, he will set us free. Then she added, and God will work on the hearts of our loved ones. Francine and Paul now advise parents of uh, gender-confused children to never give up hope and to keep praying. To other parents who are in despair regarding their children's choices, I absolutely have walked in these shoes, Francine empathized. The main thing Francine wants to share with other parents is to focus on their own spiritual life and personal reliance upon Jesus. God impressed upon me that I was to seek him with all my heart, soul, and mind, develop a relationship with him, she told LifeSite News. When I was obedient to seek him and quit, listen, when I, this is what Francine said, the mother. Francine said this, I lost my place. The main thing Francine wants to share with parents is to focus on their spiritual life. God impressed upon me that I was to seek him with all my heart, soul, mind, and develop my relationship with him and stop trying to fix Laura. How many of us would like to fix our relatives? She is saying, stop trying to fix them. You pray for him. Yeah, but prayer doesn't do anything. Prayer does more than you think. They finally got it. Boy, when somebody's wrong, I got to fix them. No. That's what God doesn't want you to do. Well, shouldn't I say anything? Words of compassion, words of hope, words of life. First of all, they're not going to listen to you anyway if you have not built a bridge of compassion and relationship. I've learned that as a pastor. I won't even try. Now, there's some, there's times I thought I had a relationship with people and they are a brick wall. I don't care how much Bible you know. You know what? I, I got to tell you something. It has taken my doctor... Six years to get into my head to stop drinking Coca-Cola. It wasn't until February have I finally given up Coca-Cola. It was the blood work. He said, Ray, do you want to live till 70? I said, yes. Well, you're not going to make it. What do you mean I'm not going to make it? Your blood count is so bad. Your cholesterol is so high. You are a walking dead man unless you start working. Now, so, you know, I, I, I told myself, my wife, you know, Carl, I, I probably shouldn't be drinking as much Coke as I used to. Because I, I, I was a Coke addict. I love Coca-Cola. Not cocaine. Coca-Cola. But I was, I, I love soda pop. By the way, I still get tempted with soda pop. But here's the point. The issue is, I had a good compassion doctor. I had a wife that was an encouraging, great cook and some other friends. But that's the thing that brings change, is compassion. But we remember the hurt. We remember the pain. And we want payback. By the way, payback 
only pushes people away. It never works. Jesus showed compassion to people that didn't deserve it. She goes on here to say this. I'm almost done here. Where did I When I was, he was gracious, trying to stop fix, trying to stop and fix Laura. He was so gracious and began to work on Laura. After I took my hands off, it was not overnight. Listen, it is not overnight. Everyone, say that with me. It's not overnight. Say it again. It's not overnight. How many of you want a quick, a quick fix? Lord, I want quick healing, quick deliverance, quick salvation. I want a quick job. I want a quick, 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 quick. There's things that take time. Part of the reason, now this may shock some of you. How many of you know God could come down and do an instant miracle for you or for your family member right away? I've come to find out this is, many times God doesn't answer my prayers the way I want to because he's working on me. Ouch. Yeah, but they're the one. No, no, he's working on you. I don't deserve, I know. I know you didn't deserve it, but God's working on you. Say he's working on me. Now what is he working on? What's he trying to do? He's trying to work compassion in you. When you give up on trying to fix other people and become a recipient of compassion for yourself, it actually releases the grace of God to start working on people that you were trying to fix. So that's why I need to say, Lord, work on me when it's even unfair. Are you there? Work on me, Lord. Boy, do I know that. It's not overnight, but God was faithful, long-suffering, Francine added, God alone deserves the praise and the glory for his mighty works. And Laura, I could have never dreamed what he would orchestrate in our lives because of obedience. The Perry's pastor says, Laura's story proves that Jesus Christ continues to transform lives no matter what sin someone has become entangled in. Homosexuality, transgenderism are not too big for God to heal. I pray Laura's testimony of salvation and new life in Christ will continue to inspire many people, Pastor says. Um, Down at the bottom here it says, Laura now helps and offers counsel to others with sober wisdom that comes from experience. If any struggling teen or despairing parent wishes to contact her, email free from lgbt at gmail.com. Excellent, excellent story. One last scripture. I want to just take you through something here that I want you to jump with me to Matthew 11, and I'm done. Jesus said that there's something in closing. I know my time is gone here. Jesus said this, Matthew 11:28. He says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. I want to close in giving you four things that you need to do, what it means to come. Just just to come. Coming doesn't mean just coming to your Bible. It doesn't mean just coming to church. It doesn't just mean calling your friends. 
When Jesus said, come, come unto me. Here's how we come. Four things, really simple. Come as you are. Come as you are with your mess. And as you come, don't try to fix yourself. Let him fix you. How many of you know that we have a tendency to try to fix ourselves? By the way, this is her new life now. This is set free and redeemed. This is Laura. The second thing, we need to come hungry. Everyone say hungry. Jesus said, come and learn from me. Learn, learn. I've got, to, I've got to renew my mind. I've got to come and learn. If you're going to receive compassion, I've got to learn. By the way, learning starts with unlearning and renewing. The word renew is a word that's taken from a, a word that means to renovate. It means to take out the old and put something new back in its place. There may be some old thoughts, thinking, persuasions, ideas, opinions, the way I was raised. I, I need to come with hunger and thirst, and I need to feed and drink from his faithfulness. I need to drink in that God loves me. I need to drink this in. I'm accepted in the beloved. I need to drink in that God will not forget me. He is with me. He's here to bless me. He's here to strengthen me. The third thing here is come with a grateful and a thankful heart of worship. Remember in Matthew 8, 1 and 3, it said the leper who came to Jesus said, first thing he did, he fell down and worshiped, and he gave thanks to the Lord in his leprosy. And he said, Lord, he cried out, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. And Jesus, it says, Jesus went over and touched him and said, I am willing. Jesus is willing to heal. But worship, he worship. Everyone say worship. Worship. Worship in the face of contradiction. I don't worship him just because everything's going well. He was a leper, and he worshiped. In the New Testament, God changes us in our worship, in our thanks. That's how we come. The last thing is this. Come expecting to be touched and, and transformed. The purpose of, of uh, compassion is transformation. How do, I, how, how, do I, how do I become compassionate? Well, guess what? Compassion means that you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about others, like Jesus did. Compassion means that I'm going to believe the best in people rather than the worst. Amen? I'm going to believe the best, that God's working the best out. That's one thing John has been such an encouragement in my life. He believes the best in people. You need to have people that believe the best. And thirdly, surround yourself with godly people that are going to hold you accountable. 
Don't just surround yourself with friends that are going to hold you on the self-pity level, that just feel sorry for you. Yeah, your husband's treating you pretty bad. Your your sister's really burned you at the bank. Though your boss fired you and, uh, and 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 deceived you, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. That's my friend because they can identify with my pain. So I identify. Let me tell you, what you're doing is you're identifying with losers. You need to identify with people that challenge your thinking. I need to come up, not go down. How many of you believe we need to go up? I don't need the kind of advice that reinforces my pain and reinforces my hate or my anger. I need people that are going to lift me up and say, wait a minute, you're on the wrong track of thinking. God's in charge here. God's in charge and has the last of the outcome. Well, I don't like that kind of changing because I want to remain in my pity party and I want to hate him and I want to just, you know, I want the, I just hope the devil gets him. Well, you're running around people with that kind of advice. It's going to only deepen the deception on you. Because the Bible says we know we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. That doesn't mean the nice people. You know what? I'm, I'm actually right now, I am praying for the North Korean president that God will save him. I don't like him, but that's not my, my job. I'm to pray that God's love will be shown. On. I'll tell you what, there's thousands of believers underground in that nation that are believing God for a turnaround in North Korea. The Bible says to pray and honor all of those who are in authority. Didn't say pray for the good ones. Even if Adolf Hitler was our president, you are to pray and honor because God has placed him there for a reason. Now, we may not know the reasons, but the Bible says it in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Pray for those in authority. And then it also says, this is a tough one, give thanks. Don't all leave the church at once. It says to give thanks. The other thing, too, is you've got to continually feed on the revelation of what Jesus is thinking and how he is seeing the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his best. If you're going to see change come in people or in yourself, you have to be a receiver of compassion. Like I said, Bible knowledge will not change you. Only an encounter with Jesus. A lot of people know the Bible but they haven't let it come down into their heart. One of the ways you know that it's come into your heart is because you're walking and you're living and you're acting and you're motivating compassion, even with people that do not like you. That's one of the ways you know you're a follower. It's easy to be friends with friends. It's easy to be friends with people who like you. Pat you on the back, scratch your back, do what you want, say what you want, think the way you want. But if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, he said, love your enemies. Pray for them that despitefully use you and abuse you. Amen? Let's stand.
God wants to transform us with compassion. God wants, like John said in his prophetic word today, God wants to rewrite the end of your story. Some of us don't have a a future of hope. We have a future of gloom. God wants to change the end of the movie in your mind and let you know that there's a future and a hope and that his plans are to give you a hope. Maybe today you're saying, no, Pastor, I'm facing some hopelessness. I need the compassion of the Lord in my life because right now there's anger, there's hurt, there's a lot of pain. It's time, there's two words I want to give you. Let go. Let go. Everyone say with me, let go. I'm going to let go of the anger, the hate. I'm going to let go of the memories. I'm going to let go of what they did to me. I'm going to let go. I'm going to surrender what others have done to me, what others have said about me. I'm going to let go of the slander, the gossip. I'm going to let go of the pain and embrace the compassion of the Lord. Just with every head bowed today, just say, Rhea, I need to receive God's compassion in my life. I just need to receive it. Because there's been some walls between me and the Lord. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. See your hands. There's been some walls. Okay, you can put your hands down. Maybe this morning you may say, you know, I feel victimized by some things that has been said and it's been difficult to really receive from the Lord because the anger goes so deep. That's you this morning. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I see your hands. Can we do this? I, I think there's even more than that. Can we all take each other by the hand? We're going to pray. The Bible says in the book of Job that when Job prayed for his friends, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord turned his captivity. I believe God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Do you believe that? Exceedingly abundantly above. Exceedingly abundant above what we could ask or think. Father, right now, you just see the hearts. We all need compassion. We need to experience the abundance of your mercy. We need to have a revelation that even if my mother forsakes me, you will not forget me. I'm written in the palm of your hand. Lord, change my movie script. Change the way I see the end of my life. Don't let me see myself depressed, alcoholic, burned out, without hope. But Lord, transform my life so that I might walk in the goodness of of the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I ask you, Lord, to just send the rain from heaven upon your people today. Lord, let us just understand 
the nature and the goodness of your love because it's love that transforms. It's not fixing myself. It's not fixing other people. It's just being in a place to receive. Help us to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to someone and say, you're a winner. I love you. You're amazing. Don't forget prayer tomorrow night. God bless you.